whoever is listening, guys, welcome back. My name is Grayson Mann, and this is the Man with a Plan podcast. Welcome to another interview. I told you guys we had some interviews back-to-back, and we may have a really special one next week, but hey, that doesn't mean this interview isn't any less special. Today, we have Luke Winstall, or as he likes to be referred to as Cool Hand Luke. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, uh, basically, right, if you're in the Clemson press box and I, you look to my left, this guy is always right here. We're chatting it up during the games, talking about Clemson football. He's a recruiting analyst for ClemsonSportsTalk.com and ESPN Plus broadcast from the host of his own show as well. You guys got to check that out. So, Luke, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? I'm doing great, Grayson. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely, man. Had to get you on, especially because just that first game, I think you and I sat next to each other. I was like, oh, this dude's pretty, this it's pretty fun. We've been chatting up for like the last month and a half now. So I had to had to at least ask to have you on the podcast, especially given the uh, your area of expertise, which we'll talk about in a second. But yeah, just give the audience a little rundown of what you're doing and your role within the, the big business of sports media. For sure. So for me, overall, recruiting is a bit of my specialty, I would say, when it comes to high school recruiting. Now, if you think you're good at recruiting, you have to get good at the transfer portal. So learning that world, what's that like? developing those kinds of things. And even right now you see me up against the wall here. I'm on the trail headed into Atlanta, going to see a couple of Clemson commits this weekend and state championship games and a couple of targets in a camp over in West Georgia on Sunday. So continuing to work through covering from the Clemson perspective, but also for me being from the state of Georgia, covering from that perspective, spotlighting the recruits, the players, people around this area and people that Clemson's interested in. So a lot of that and also covering some of the team beat with Lawton Swan over at Clemson Sports Talk and going out to all the games, as many as we can get to. I think the Orange Bowl will be game 10 for me this year at Clemson. There we go. There we go. Yeah. The biggest one too, the the Orange Orange Bowl. Yeah. Uh, a lot of, I, I really wish we, I think it would be an eyesore for a lot of people, but if we could get orange on orange and orange on orange, it'd be kind of <laughs> just, just for at least for pregame warmups, just so we could have the, the uniform matchup. But I think people wouldn't really be able to see yeah, I'm not sure because the oranges, I mean, the different shades, but at the same time, that's a lot to look at like <laughs> overstimulating on the eyes to take all that in. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the biggest part of the biggest news that we've been talking about for the last week is the hiring of Deion Sanders to Colorado. I didn't personally see it coming. I thought he was more of a lock for maybe USF or a bigger job out West and Colorado. They finished one and 11 in the PAC 12. The program is looking for new direction and Hey, what better way to go than to uh, coach prime. And if you guys are big into college football, I'm sure you've seen the pregame not the pregame, that little meeting he had, that was about seven minutes where he was basically telling his guys, you better be ready to come compete. Cause I'm bringing some of my people with me. And they said his luggage is Louis Vuitton. Um, Luke, what were your thoughts initially with uh, Sanders going to Colorado and just kind of the impression that you think he'll have on the, that team where the program's going to go and the impact that it'll have on the transfer portal. Cause I think the numbers at like a thousand, at least from the first day of just everybody swarming that portal. And I think Sanders kind of adds that extra oomph to it. That's for sure. You look at him taking that job. I wouldn't have, for example, I wouldn't have bet money on it beforehand when the rumors were coming out. I would have said, well, let's wait and see. I'll be curious to see what other jobs pop up, who else might be interested in Dion. And I look at that job, the impact it has now all of a sudden, We've got guys across the country pop out and they say, oh, now I have a Colorado offer. They've called and here's what's happening. And that's not just high school, that's transfer portal as well. That's getting to the type of thing where in the portal, Deion Sanders might even have more options than 
he can take in terms of spots because, you know, you have the Colorado clearing out the roster, looking for some of that, but there's a lot of interest from what I've heard sources, people around there saying, Hey, Dion's got a lot of guys that are giving him a call saying, Hey, this could work. I'd like to join. What would that look like? Conversations with a lot of people. And from our perspective at Clemson, Dion's called Peter Woods, Clemson. Mm -hmm. And Peter's solid on Clemson. It's nothing to worry about from that perspective, but just shows you, you know, I almost can picture it. I think it might've been Woody that tweeted this of Dion scrolling through the recruit rankings, like texting, calling people. He's not a hard guy to find, like you said, but that's one where I'm sure they'll try to poach. They'll try to look for people that they say, Hey, it might've been hard to get you to a HBCU. That might've been a hard sell, but come play for prime time at a PAC 12 school. It's a bit easier to sell. And especially a PAC 12 team that, is likely to add Travis Hunter, a couple of other transfers from Jackson State, and some of their coaching staff that is top level. That is something that will make an impact, but also I think stir up maybe not much in the 23 class, but in the 24s, that's where we all of a sudden start saying, oh, wait, there's a four-star going to Colorado. We don't see a ton of that, especially four-stars from the Southeast area going to Colorado to play. That's something that people are going to have to get used to. Those offers are coming in. That's going to be a new player in recruiting, not just nationally, but down here in the South. So something we need to know about for sure. Yeah, I think Sanders is one of those rare people. Like you said, he's kind of scrolling down the list. He might go on like Rivals or 24-7 saying, oh, this guy, I don't know. You, you, you don't want to go play there. You want to come play for Colorado. You want to play for me. It's one of those guys where regardless of where he is geographically, I think he has pulled just because he's he's prime. And it's not like he doesn't have results to back it up. He's turned Jackson State into the top powerhouse of the HBCUs. And also just in terms of his NFL experience, he's got so many resources that he can pull from, especially now that he has a power five school that looks to really just grant whatever wish. It's kind of like he he opened that magic bottle and he's got the genie out there and he's just granting whatever wish Dion wants. But I'm curious to see how it goes. I think it's early, especially given just uh, the off season. He's going to finish out at Jackson State. You told me before this, you're going to his press conference. What are you kind of expecting? How many non-Jackson State questions are we expecting to get there? Man, it's interesting. And the reason he's having it in Atlanta tomorrow, it's, I believe, an 11 a.m. at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in the Falcons interview room. And Sanders will be coaching in the Celebration Bowl, coaching Jackson State. That was fairly big news. We don't always see that when a coach takes a different job, that they hang around and coach the bowl game for their old school. But Dion's going to do that, and because of that, he's got this press conference the head coaches are required to be at. Tomorrow, I expect, I mean, even as much as maybe 30% of the questions to not be related to the game. They may not be related to Jackson State, because from a media perspective, there's so many things to ask, and I know a lot of people will have the HBCU Jackson State questions and about the game and the stories that need to be covered there, but... We see at these press conferences all the time, these things that are outside or things that are outside of the game, they pop in. So I expect a fair many. I expect maybe a few eye rolls on my side of, oh man, is that really the time? Or is that the right question? Or, you know, some of those from my perspective of sitting there like, oh man, that's, you know, that's risky. We might get a moment. We might get a social media moment tomorrow. So I'm excited. Yeah, so if you guys want to see any social media moments, especially from De Mr. Deion Sanders himself, go follow Luke Winstall on Twitter. He's definitely got all the information there and I'll definitely be tuning in too. Cause I want to see what he has to say. And he's, mu he's must watch TV regardless of what's going on just because he's so 
I don't, he doesn't really have any shame to him. He just kind of says what's on his mind and usually he can back it up. So you have to really understand the credibility that follows with it. But I think something that Deion Sanders, that move does is kind of highlight the issue that I have with the transfer portal. And I don't think, I think each year it's gotten a little worse for me. And I, I think maybe you, you can be one to kind of talk me out of this, but I, I'm starting to get on this. I know and understand their situations, like obviously DJ's transferring from Clemson, trying to get a new change of scenery, not a bad quarterback by any means, kind of like a Jalen Hurts scenario there where he just needs to get out and he just needs to find a new, new patch of grass to play on. But 11, not nearly over a thousand players in the portal. There's limited spots. And especially where these, some of these guys want to go to the top schools here and there. I'm just concerned of where this direction is heading. And given the drastic changes we've seen in college football, Luke, is that something you're concerned about too? Or do you think it's good for the sport to kind of have this almost free agency like period that the NFL does? I think as it is, there's changes that need to be made and tweaks as it comes. I do think some of this will be self-correcting as we get throughout the process. We're going to see the numbers. It's roughly 40% of the guys land. So there's plenty of guys that will hit the portal we won't hear from again. And I'm not talking necessarily Clemson players, but smaller schools, lesser known players. You look at even some of the guys, for example, Florida had double digit guys in the portal or close to it. Um, on day one. So yeah, close to it on day one, then more on day two. So with a school like Florida, those guys can go to a smaller school. They can find their spot, get recruited. But overall, you look at 40% of guys landing and there's going to be plenty of stories out there and they continue to get highlighted because media covers a good bit of this, of this didn't work out or it didn't work out for a lot of people. And here's why, or here's what happened, or here's how coaches are managing rosters within the portal. I think the way that Deion Sanders is doing it adds another case study to how can a coach manage what's happening now and have control in this area where it feels like they may not have as much control as they used to. But Deion saying, hey, we're going to overhaul the roster, even encouraging, it seems, people to get into a portal. So these kinds of things I think will be self-correcting because it won't just be a hop in because the grass is going to be greener. It's going to be, if you need to hop in, hop in. But Throughout the years, there will be more risk, uh, more understanding of the risk that comes with jumping in a portal and saying, okay, this may not work out. It didn't work out for a lot of people. Did it work out for someone similar to my position or what kind of interest is there? I think tampering is an issue. We talked about even some things like Josh Downs at North Carolina, who we just saw in the ACC championship. There's rumors of some tampering that happened last season with him. So that's one of the big issues for me of recruiting someone that's on another roster, coaches having to re-recruit the players on their own roster. It's a lot of things going on to where I think the patience in college football is diminishing. I think that's a harmful effect of you look at maybe a Mel Tucker, Lincoln Riley, for example, if Dion turns around Colorado. For a coach, instead of having a four-year, five-year plan to turn a program or to build a program, now if you don't have it in one or two, I mean, look at some programs like Florida, you know, if they don't have the winning seasons they need to in another year from now or two years from now, that's where some of the conversations start to come up of, does a coach get fired? Do they keep this guy? And the leashes get much shorter, maybe for good reason, because you could use the portal to turn things around. But the lack of patience, I think, is one of the harmful effects of the high school recruiting is getting hurt. So that process, because of the lack of patience, is 
hurting the way that a lot of teams are built and a lot of successful teams have usually been built. So some of the models we're used to are maybe starting to go away or starting to change. For some people, that will be harmful. And I think because of that, it can self-correct of maybe it won't be so much portal. The portal is always going to be a thing, but it might not be quite as crazy as more people understand the risk and what it takes and really what goes into it and more stories come about because usually a unregulated wild west doesn't last or work well for very long yeah well that's that's the understatement right there uh it's it's very much uh everyone's kind of going off and doing their own thing and i think like you said eventually something's gonna give and there's gonna be a story because the the media will play a big part in this there'll be a really like let's say the the dj thing doesn't work out and he ends up transferring and it, it could have stayed at clemson or a kelly bryant situation where he transfers from clemson to missouri and it, it no longer i mean he's arena bowl champion but i don't think that's what kelly bryant necessarily envisioned but there's also, also success stories like jordan addison going from Pitt to usc bo Nix re- reviving his career doing a little bit of a self-revive there at oregon potentially or could have been a heisman trophy finalist um just a lot of different there's so many different scenarios in college football there's so many more teams to pick from so it's very much like well you have an example on this side of the country but there's an example down here on this side of the country that you can really pull from so it's fascinating to see how it's evolved and i'm always always looking at it from a clemson perspective on how Dabo's kind of not really changed his ways and wondering if that'll eventually give or he's gonna have to really just look at the situation and recognize i might have to change my methods up a little bit but knowing him it's kind of like hey what i've done has worked and i don't need to switch it up because I think my culture can withstand the change that is coming with college football. Is that something that you guys are monitoring, especially on that Clemson side of things going, wonder what Dabo's thinking here. For sure. That was actually a poll we had on Twitter. I think it ended up around 1300 votes of, we said, Hey fans, what do you think? Before we decided to give our opinion, wanted to see and kind of gauge what the environment's looking like. So we had out of the 1300 that responded on Twitter, it was about 70% that said Dabo should look to use the portal and add at least we're not saying he needs to add 10 guys to replace the nine or 10 that are going but bring in a couple you know one or two or justin flow for example someone we talked about on twitter or who are these guys that you might have been close on in high school you've got relationships with they've already passed your process of we know clemson's different than other schools like i've covered tennessee in the past they've got 300 offers in a class sometimes Clemson doesn't do that. They vet the guys very well, character, not to say Tennessee doesn't, but Clemson has their own process to it. So if they've already passed your process before and you run them through again, you say, yeah, this could be a Clemson guy. He could play in Death Valley. He fits the culture. If they've passed that, you've already built some relationships. They've probably already been to campus. There's some of those guys that throughout the past few years, Clemson's been close on, but didn't get, and now they're in the portal. Or now there's somebody that might have a Clemson tie that's in the portal. Those are the things that I say, that's the minimum. You at least have to go after, extend the offer, you know, yeah. give the guys a chance. So there's one, I mean, Justin Flo is my main example on that. There's going to be as more people enter the portal, mm-hmm. more recruits that we spotlight and look at and say, I remember him. Let's see if he's in. So it doesn't <laughs> have to be just grabbing people because you've seen good film. It can be going through a similar process, but adding in that way. Add one or two. There's some very talented receivers in the portal, one from, of course, Missouri, even one from Kent State that a lot of Power 5 schools are looking at right now. 
So these types of things where if you need a playmaker, if you need someone to fit a system, someone's available. Oregon, one of their 6'5", 220-pound receivers, needs more targets. What better place than Clemson to get more targets? So it's these kinds of things that maybe you don't want to play the portal NIL game like crazy, but you should be in on it. You should be extending these offers, and maybe they are, and we just don't know about it. Yeah. But it should be something that becomes part of Clemson's strategy if it's not already. Yeah, and I've taken the stance with the portal of saying, hey, maybe you don't need to go get the get the five-star that is disgruntled somewhere else. Maybe just get a couple depth guys. And I think we you can look at an example like last year in 2021 where depth was an issue, and you could have had maybe a couple wide receivers here and there step in that aren't necessarily going to go game-breaking. But I think I look at the South Carolina game when Bo Collins went down. He had that big play that helped Clemson get up 23-14. He goes down, and you see a notable drop-off in production. And it kind of all rests on Antonio Williams because there were drops here and there with EJ. There were drops with with Brandon Spector. Maybe you have that portal guy that can come in as a reliable fourth or fifth option that can just make a couple plays and move the chains when you need them. Or an offensive lineman. Marcus Tate goes down, not saying Mitchell Mays isn't a talented player or anything, but you have that extra depth if you need it. And so you're not looking from week to week going, man, really hoping Bo can pull this uh, shoulder injury out because we don't really know what the extent of it was, but he was out for the rest of the year with having surgery. So you can say, Hey man, hope Bo can stay 80% this week. So we can uh, not have to put it this guy or something, not, not trying to put words in people's mouths, but you get where I'm coming at. For sure. And I think some of the things I had a conversation with a fan on Twitter of, they say, well, you know, outside of DJ, of course he's good, but the other guys, they weren't a big deal. And I think it's easy to look at that and say, okay, yeah, they weren't. A lot of them probably weren't going to be starters next year. Kevin Swint was a little surprising. I thought mm-hmm. he might have had a shot to start. Would have been a position battle, but one that he could have won. He was a high pedigree recruit. And last we've seen him on the football field, he seemed decent. So you look at a lot of the positions outside of those guys, maybe we're talking six or seven players that – Say, okay, you know, EJ Williams had under 100 yards, I think, for the season or the majority of the season. And some of these guys that we didn't even know their name, you say, oh, who's that guy? You know, Fred Davis that got torched earlier in the season. And you say, okay, whatever, like not a big loss. I think that's the tendency. But when you stack them up and you stack up these guys that were bought into your culture, were fits at Clemson, or at least for a while before now, and now they're leaving. That's a gap in terms of depth. You look at roster attrition. Morgan Thomas puts out a great chart on this. Mm-hmm. And you take a look at his chart and you say, wow, there's some positions where there's an entire class where there's maybe one guy or two guys where you should have three or four or some spots where you say, oh, it's a little thin. If the top guy goes down or if he decides to declare early for the draft or hit the portal, then you say, wait, there's a gap there. One of the things like this is a major gap and we already knew it would be a major gap. I think running back is getting interesting and it's interesting in the way that right now it's good. Clemson, Moffa, mm-hmm. Shipley next year. That's going to be great. The lightning and thunder duo. I know we enjoyed watching them this season. Absolutely. But in the future, what's back right. there, you're looking at a walk on being your number three running back. One of them goes down. You have a tandem of whoever's the one that's not injured in a walk on and You've got to bring on a 23 running back recruit. Jamarius Haynes is probably a must get at this point for Clemson. And I think they will, but they've got to get at least one 23 running back, probably need a portal running back. They need one, I think in 24 as well to get ready for Shipley and Moffa potentially. 
departing or Shipley potentially departing, depending on how that goes. So running back depth chart is something we could talk in circles all day on it. But for Clemson, that's a need. That's a hole in the future. And the way you do that, you have to address it now through portal guys with multiple years of eligibility, get your younger guys. And that's a position where they can mix it in. DB might be a position of need as well. Linebacker, you had, I believe, two of them hit the portal. Mm -hmm. You've got two recruits coming in, but probably need one to two more at linebacker. Portal would be a great place to do that because your 23 linebackers are pretty much a done deal unless you're going to poach somebody. That's a lot right. of those guys are already committed. They're set. They're, you know, a couple of weeks away from signing day. So for Clemson, it's like you could go at it the high school route, but some of these positions, it really would make sense to grab a portal guy. Yeah, it, it certainly changes. The, it certainly changes the game, and there's certainly a lot of avenues that Clemson can take. And I think you're right. There, there are certain positions that, when you look at that that Morgan Thomas uh, chart, you're like, okay, yep. let's look at what we have here now. I mean, like Shipley and Maffa next year, if they stay healthy, that's one of the best running back tandems in college football. But yep. you look towards the future. Shipley's likely to declare for the draft pretty soon. Maffa soon to follow. Just kind of depends on the season that he has. But he stepped up as certainly that that uh, one B, one A to one B type deal for uh for clemson so you could see those two potentially taking off together um their roommates too which is actually kind of fascinating that they've uh, been able to build that that bond there but yeah there's a, certainly a lot of question marks but I, I guess Dabo kind of does it his own way and we'll kind of see how things progress because it's still early and i think they're also trying to just focus on the now you got a young quarterback with Cade klubnik that there's no more doubt anymore with uh whether he's going to be the uh the guy uh and we can talk about that actually real quick. I want to quickly touch on that at your experience of the AC championship game. And then I want to get your CFP picks before we wrap up, because that's definitely the, uh, the month of December is the, the road to the NFL playoffs and the CFP, which we'll cover here on this podcast. Absolutely. will. but Luke, yeah, your experience of the AC championship game, one different from mine, uh, from the one watch party to another, but one was in Charlotte and one was at my friend's place. Uh, Luke, talk to me about your, uh, your experience on the field at Charlotte. Uh, just the environment surrounding Cade Klubnik coming in. That's obviously the biggest story of that game. Clemson's back on top in the conference. Accomplished a lot this season. And I think given the circumstances and what is the, going to happen in the future, I think seeing a positive quarterback performance from Klubnik and just kind of seeing, okay, we got something in this kid heading into the Orange Bowl. What was it like on the field? What was the energy? Just take us through it. Wow. Well... I will say, I'll preface it by, I think you got plenty of all caps texts from me, especially in the first quarter of that game. <laughs> and most of them were really good things about Cade Klubnik because we come in and I think the way I was feeling almost felt like the way the vibe in the building was of Clemson didn't feel dynamic or exciting coming into the game, coming off a loss to South Carolina. It's an offense that has not had big plays when they score. A lot of times it's been chipping their way down the field. Good drives, but it wasn't the explosiveness that I've been used to from Clemson. So it's not as exciting to watch. And I come in and I'm like, okay, but optimistic against UNC and Drake May. What's going to happen? What adjustments are made? And DJ comes out, first drive, dirt ball. And I'm like, oh, it's one of those days. So I was like, <laughs> oh, man. You know, not to overreact, but the emotions were up and down. The building was very up and down in the beginning. It was, oh, man, the three and out. And it was like, oh, this is bad. And then UNC scores and then the three and out. Two possessions of DJ. I don't know if the team even had 10 combined yards between the two drives. It was ugly. 
it was uncreative. It was just lacking what we feel like Clemson can do. We know there's potential. We know the pieces can be there. And Clemson trails 7-0. And then Kay Klubnik comes in. All of a sudden, building lifts up. We say, oh, he's in early. Okay. we Because we clearly needed – Clemson clearly needed a change up. And everyone watching was saying, okay, let's see what he can do. The crowd's starting to cheer more. Klubnik down the field. Touchdown. And then it seemed like the energy was up. The team was up. The defense was up. Even Lawton, who sits next to me at this game, says, hey, watch the defense is going to play better now. There's going to be something better. And they come out, force the turnover, block the field goal. All these different kinds of chain reaction events. Cade Klubnik hits a man for a 68-yard pass to Cole Turner, of all people, right? <laughs> and the offense is all of a sudden electrifying, and it feels like instead of – I hate to say it, but instead of DJ Uyghalele and the offense moving almost in spite of some of the tough spots that they get into, it felt like Kate Klebnik was making players better. He was making the offense look good. Even his first incompletion to Antonio Williams was on a rope. It was a really tough catch, so I don't fault Antonio for not bringing it in, but it was one that that's the type of play that you need to win a championship of a quarterback that looks left, looks right, looks back left ropes it in and gives your receiver a really good chance to catch the ball. Williams almost has it. But outside of that, before that, he was 11 for 11 and then goes into the halftime with a near 200 quarterback rating. Klubnik is going crazy. And the emotions in the building were, of course, down at the beginning and then pops way up when Klubnik does his thing. And it's really hard not to just overreact and say, Kate's the guy and he's the future and he's everything Clemson needs. And he really could be, but you have to temper your expectations. UNC's defense is not great, but it was a really positive step forward. So definitely a cause for optimism. I'm very excited to see what he'll do in Miami. It's a different test presenting him the opportunity to come in and start a game. It's a little different mentality, almost like bullpen to starter in baseball. Now mm -hmm. it's just, he's the guy, he's ready. This is it. So with that, I'll be interested to see how he approaches that mentally. Does he come out firing the same way he did against UNC? I would think so. The confidence is there. The poise is there. He really feels like a leader. He feels like the type of guy that can rally a team. His post-game comments I thought were great. And all the media that he did, and he was the last person to leave the field as well in Charlotte. He was the last guy off. So take it, take it, it tells you a lot. Yeah, I I remember it was the first practice in uh, that we were able to go look at in the in the summer, and Klubnik is they're doing like their like up tempo drill or something. It was something like that, and DJ had just finished up. They were doing pretty well. Cade runs over the second string group of offensive linemen and starts barking, and I was like, whoa! And I, it was like all of them all of a sudden. It was like their parents had just called them from upstairs. They just whooped around. It was like a one eighty, and they were all eyes on this kid, this freshman, just being like, come on, let's go stuff like that. And I just, I, I was like, okay, I'm going to keep that as a little bit of a mental note for later, just mm -hmm. in case. Cause it was like one of those things where it's on the TV. He speaks, you listen, it type thing. He's on the field. You're glued to the, you're not scrolling through Twitter. You're not on Instagram waiting for something to happen. You're engaged. You're excited. You're it. Clubnik brings that with Clemson. And I think someone, one of my friends told me, this is the most exciting Clemson football game I've watched in two years. And that's not a knock on any of these past teams. It's just offensively, there was something there. And I know you, like you said, let's temper expectations with DJ, not DJ, sorry, with Cade and just kind of, Hey, it's this, 
they're, they're you kind of catch UNC off surprise. It sounds like it caught Mac Brown off surprise how early he came in. And now yeah. Tennessee's got film on him and he's going to have a month to kind of prepare. Tennessee's got a month to say, how, how can we stop this kid? Very excited to see. I think we'll get more of an answer in Miami, but it looks like we're getting short on time here. So I do want to get your prediction for the college football playoff, Luke. It's Michigan and TCU and Ohio State and Georgia after a Saturday of chaos. Luke, who do you have in the national championship and who do you have taking it all? Is it Georgia for a repeat or do you have a surprise? I am not too surprising today. I'll take Georgia. I'll take, pains me to do it in a way. I'll take Michigan. And <laughs> I'm going to be really simple. I think UGA is the dominant team right now. And with Georgia, I just don't see Michigan having the firepower to overcome that defense. They do have it offensively, but just the way that Georgia has the athletic freaks, the sideline to sideline, they can deal with some of Michigan by you say, okay, Georgia's corners aren't great right now. I mean, the past defense hasn't been great in the past couple of games, especially against LSU, not to their standard. But you look at their ability to stop the run. I think that's the thing that can shut out Michigan, especially without Blake Corum. That's the thing that they shut out the run game. Michigan's forced to pass. That's where Georgia can sit back and that's the kind of game they want to play, being able to sit back and mm -hmm. defend the pass like that after stopping the run. So I believe in the run-stopping ability defensively will translate to that defense being successful. Jalen Carter in the middle, big key to that. So for Georgia, I'm picking the repeat. That's how I see it. There you go. You've heard it here first, guys. Uh, so if, if Georgia ends up winning it all again, you can come back to this podcast episode and go, hey, Grayson, you brought on a genius for football, but also someone with a ton of insight. So uh, I, I actually, I went on, we had somebody on our, at a student newspaper last week and I took Michigan for my national champion just to be a little different and just saying, Hey, if they can air it out like they did against Ohio state, they may not need to run it. And JJ McCarthy's a little uh, kind of flew into the radar for me, but he's kind of come out of nowhere and just really performed this last month. So I'm excited to see how it goes. Upset that we can't have Clemson in it, but hey, I'm I'm gonna take football either way, and I'm gonna take that near six bowl. Very excited to see how things progress. But yeah, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. This was Luke Winstall, uh, Cool Hand Luke, ESPN Plus broadcast. You can check him out, calling some games, some stuff. Is it mainly basketball, or do you do some football as well? I've done for them. Let's see, eight different sports now on ESPN Plus. Basically. Uh, play by play for everything except football and then football i've been in a bit of a production role there in the past there you go so you guys if you're big sports fans you got espn plus subscription definitely check out my guy luke and just hey give this man some support on twitter he's got some great stuff this was the man with the plan podcast episode 109 subscribe to our youtube channel help us reach over 11,000 listeners i don't know if we've done that already but guys what a fantastic number to reach in such a short amount of time especially since we had 10,000 in the summer Crazy stuff, guys, but thank you as always for the support and have a great day, guys. Take care.